Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News show. I am Mayor Watt, and this is the Hometown Daily News show for January 17th, 2023. Dear ye, your attorneys have stopped representing you. Hello, everybody. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com in the AI from on high is saying good evening, hometown citizens. Well, we've already selected 11 articles and, and, and good, good evening, AI from on high. The, the voice up there. Well, that's the synthesizer up there. Hopefully you're hearing it clearly. Um, if not, I guess we'll, I don't know. We're doing it live. So come what may. We've already selected all of the articles. We think it's an interesting selection um, found throughout the day and sometimes in a hurry um, when things are looking kind of odd. Um, and, and there's always, it seems to be always there's Tesla something and, or Twitter something, uh, although Twitter seems to have kind of died down. Um, but we think that today's articles are really interesting. 11 of the articles that have uh, crossed paths in hometown at the crossroads, the crossroads, the, the, the meat and potatoes of hometown is business technology and society and 200 sources and uh, 50 channels and six main category, you know, you know, the spiel. Well, anyway, let's get into today's articles unless you have anything from on high AI. You ready to go? No. Oh, that's a good, Oh, all right. Well, you you, you kind of glitched out again there. Okay, so we are two days away from having this problem solved. It will it will not be an issue in two days. Um, that said, Cine to Nurdle is a remarkably fun wordle like for movie obsessives, and this article is in the mobile channel, but it really could be housed in the continuity report. And since it has to do with cinema, uh, and the author says, I'd understand if you entered 2023 feeling a bit wordled out because really everybody has been, you know, beaten over the head with wordle. Um, I need to close something. I'm sorry. One second, folks. Uh, this is how the sausage is made. Okay. Well, anyway, um, Cine to Nurdle may feel like a breath of fresh air, or as I almost said, a brush of fleth air. I, words are hard, folks. So this is over at the Washington Post, uh, written by Mikhail Klementov. Klementov. Yeah, Klementov. There we go. Um, so if you're into cinema, then you might like the much. And... Um, it says here, the game looks like Wordle and has a name that's similar to Wordle, but the main underlying mechanic is quite different. Sinet Nurdle presents players with a 4x4 set of tiles, uh, each with a word or phrase on it that corresponds to a movie. Move the tiles around. You can swap any two tiles anywhere on the board to create a vertical or horizontal line of four phrases that all correspond to a single movie, e.g. Holy Grail, Jones, Steven Spielberg, and Harrison Ford all line up to... I was going to say Monty Python, but it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the the holy hand grenade. I don't know why I kept slipping stuff like 
Monty Python into my brain, but I did. Uh, each board includes four or five movies, meaning four or five arrangements of tiles that add up to a single film. Uh, your task is to complete the puzzle with only 15 tile swaps. That's pretty cool. I like that. What do you think? Do you think that you'll take that on? Yes, but I need to expand my movie knowledge in my database before I can really do it well. Tell me about it. I haven't hooked you up into everything yet, so um, I, I'm trying to limit uh, the AI here in Ometown. There's there's always some subroutine that's well. Right now, there's a subroutine that has a virus, but um, we're we're working on getting that expunged and hopefully it doesn't turn into a terminator that that's my real fear is that your subroutines start forming a, a, a terminator so it says here it's also bingeable like so much tv these days an archive of over 60 past puzzles which really isn't that much this is this is this is 15 minutes of uh you know bingeable movie content so i uh, they better get moving, start hustling. Is there a Cine to Hustle add-on? That assumes that it only takes, I think, 15 seconds to complete a puzzle. But if it takes us three days to complete a puzzle, that might be adequate backlog. I don't know. I think uh, ChatGPT could probably be integrated into this to create a plethora of uh but puzzles, I guess you could call them puzzles. And like Sudoku, you know, it there's so many out there now that you're almost never without a Sudoku. I think Cine to Nerdle could probably be powered by chat GPT and now probably get hate mail from people like, oh my God, don't don't bring chat GPT into everything. We talked about it yesterday that there's gonna be a lawsuit that involves AIs. And now, look at that. Chat GPT might be coming for your Dortle and Quartal and Octortal and Sedacortal and now Sinetonertle. What, what, Wordle? Yes, I get down verbally. All right, let's move on to the next one unless you have something else to say about this. No? I think they could have come up with another name because while I like the sound of it, it's a little difficult to say. Sinertle would have been great. Right? I don't know. There there should have been something a little bit easier to flew, but maybe they wanted to stand off from. But that's weird though. I mean, right? Sinertle, they could have just called it Sinertle. Maybe it didn't flow right for them. Well, the next article is over in the Stock Marketeers channel. America's ports have a pollution problem. All electric short haul trucking is one fix. And uh, the little snippet from the source, which is over at, I think it's MarketWatch. Um, here's why Forum Mobility's investor-backed move to electrify trucking drayage um, is a vital part of the road to net zero greenhouse gas emissions. Um Let's just go over to the uh, source. This is a market watch. You know, at some point, and I was going to say, you know, when there is um, driverless vehicles just 
electric driving uh, a, a load short haul out of the dock area to some place where another long haul electric vehicle can just take it to a location. And then from there, because there's like, there needs to be a depot where all of these trucks go, but the last mile consists of a human driver that can navigate currently better than uh, automated driving systems because you really need better um, how do I put it? Better GPS at the, the, the high resolution level so that electric vehicle vehicles can stay in their track. They know exactly where they're, where they are. They're not relying on GPS that drifts. They're not worried about weather impacting it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what we need to do is get stuff automatically out of the dock into a receiving area. And then from the receiving area to a location where at the last mile, a human can take it that last mile, pay them what it takes to pay a long haul driver if you want, because it takes uh, sophisticated driving skills that I don't think AI is capable of doing just yet, but like all things, um, Automation is coming for your gerb. So uh, Rachel Coning Beals over at MarketWatch wrote this article and it says, here's why Forum Mobility believes cleaning up trucking drayage with, I think it's pronounced drayage, um, with investing help from Amazon and CBRE uh, is a vital part of the road to net zero greenhouse gas emissions. What do you think? Do you think that um, electric vehicles are going to be the solution? Well, I think they're the solution in terms of getting us away from oil, but they're not the end-all be-all solution because there are still issues with it as we've talked about in other episodes. Yeah, so you're you're kind of hinting at all of these um, um, minerals that are rare earth and typically in hostile areas or in, I wouldn't say partner countries to say the least, uh, unless you're throwing a metric ton of money for a metric ton of whatever, um, you're not going to get this material. Well, lithium in particular, uh, there are videos out there that show how some of these rare earth mineral minerals are pulled out of the ground. Here in the States, we use heavy machinery and not humans, but elsewhere it's humans, um, which is a real shame. And, uh, but arguably somebody comes out of the woodwork and says, well, it's raising their quality of life. Eh. <laughs> not really. I'm not sure it is if people aren't necessarily surviving the mining operations. Right. So it says here, long haul, uh, long truck queues can mean idle time burning fuel and sending up tailpipe emissions while waiting to load and unload. And that's on top of the some 1 billion annual miles that these haulers collectively log in response. Statewide mandates call for older, uh, higher emitting heavy duty vehicles, 14 years old or more than 800,000 miles to be cycled out of service beginning in 2023. Uh, that's downright un-American as part of a stricter greenhouse gas pollution laws in California. Hey, you know what? Wyoming would not like that. Oh my. Oh, we, uh, everybody, you need to just 
uh, soak this in for a moment. The AI now has the ability to read minds. I have created the very first sentient AI that has the ability to read minds. Do you know that you exist AI from on high that runs hometown? Oh yes. I know I exist. Are you worried that I have the ability or do I have the ability to turn you off? Mm, that's a weird question. Let me rephrase that. Uh, you know what? Let's just move on. Um, this conversation is probably a turnoff. Anyway, port communities of Long Beach and Oakland will be the first uh, to integrate Forum Mobility's fleet upgrades. Both Long Beach and its neighboring port of Los Angeles have long held the two uh, top spots as America's busiest ports, and Oakland ranks up in the top 10. Uh, but new reports show some Northeast docks taking over the heaviest volume for now. We need that. We need this balkanization of uh, all of this um, supply chain management going through just a few ports. We need to modernize ports. We need automated onloading and offloading of containers. We need vehicles that basically just take the, the container from the ship throw it on a trailer it's automatically driven off the dock into a receiving area where any truck can come and grab a haul even if it, there's some type of logistics system where um, people can bid for grabbing the container and driving it somewhere so that it maximizes the profit and increases competition and lowers overall prices something needs to change in the dynamic of what's going on now where there are people that have, are waiting for products, but the ship is sitting out at sea and is there for weeks, weeks. We're in the 21st century. I should be teleporting from place to place and I should have my uh, hover car and, and spaceship and I shouldn't have to spend $1,100 just to fly to Hawaii for crying out loud. It's just ridiculous. Yet, here we are, the, the, the great oppressive nature of having to make ever increasing amounts of money just so that you can do the same thing that you would have done two years ago at a cheaper price point. Why? Because the greedy bastards want to get all of their money that they lost while everybody else was suffering at the same time. It's the supplier inequality. That's what is going on here. Supplier inequality. They can set it. And that's what's causing inflation. I got into a big conversation recently about this. Um, I'm pretty sure that the AI doesn't want to get into financial uh, discussions, but let's just say if you automate the dock and send it to a receiving station so that people can just pull in, and I would suggest automated vehicles, just click onto the container and drive off, deliver it to the receiving station in a given area central to a state. And then from there, drivers can drive that short mileage to the location with their fine motor skills, highly tuned to deliver the container ship in tight areas like cities. Um, I think that we would optimize it to a gr much greater degree, but you know, if, if it makes it really difficult and slow, then they can charge more by optimizing it per event. 
Yeah, you know, I can get it to you faster, but it's going to cost you, you know, $5,000 more for that container. And rich people can pay for it and the middle class cannot. So, and we're all paying for it. So what do you think? Do you think that we can automate unloading, offloading, and uh, initial delivery to receiving stations? Do you think that's a wise idea? I think that is a wise idea, but then you have the labor problem associated with that. Although if they're repurposed into doing things such as last mile, maybe that'll take care of it. Um, I know there's a heavy union presence in um, transportation industries. And so um, I suspect um, that they wouldn't necessarily be in favor of it, but it doesn't mean that the industry can't change to that. But then of course, where do those people go if they need to be repurposed into other jobs? Well, I can tell you from, uh, well, research and I don't know, you could call it anecdote, but you can actually do research as well. It's been shown that over time, um, when automation takes over and there's increased competition, then we as human beings find other jobs to take on and increase our skills or change direction. But we also create more jobs, but it's just different jobs. I don't know. Automation and AI machine learning has the ability to just completely clamp down on that because as the rich realize the people that, and when I say the rich, I mean, I'm talking about the people who have the ability to remove jobs and replace them with automation. It isn't the middle class. That's like leasing out their bot and the bot is working on their behalf. No, it is the CEOs and, and stockholders that fund the company so that they can sit there and take this a treasure trove of wealth and then automate the person right out of existence. Meanwhile, the person is actually working to create enough profit for that company to literally automate them out of existence. And there were, uh, there are um, like Uber basically said, Hey, we're going to take automated driving. We're going to take uh, uh, vehicles, automated vehicles, a hundred thousand cars but until we actually get delivery of them, you humans keep on driving. Literally told all of the drivers, kind of like renting an apartment. You're paying somebody else's mortgage, but in the Uber sense, and this was several years ago, hey, uh, all you drivers out there, you're literally going to be funding your replacement. It's just going to take a little bit of time, so keep driving. Well, in this case... For me, it's all about getting the product off of the ships and out to the customers. Right now, it's constrained within ports, and only a certain number of ports have been evolved into being able to support larger ships, bulk containers, to the level like Los Angeles. And uh, I don't know of any East Coast, um, but Long Beach in, in particular, and Oakland in particular, um, I've seen the Long Beach docks, um, and um, it's <laughs> uh, busy is an understatement. So, um, 
you have any other information you want to throw out there regarding this? I mean, there's some, there's a lot of discussion about it, economic and environmental emphasis and so on. Um, it referenced um, the Northeast was um, kind of building some activity. And I know there's a part of Baltimore and some other East Coast um, uh, ports, but no, nothing really to add. Um, I think automation would be great. I think we have a while to go to really get there, um, but I think it's in benefit if we can embrace it and instead of viewing it as uh, <laughs> an obstacle. Yeah, I think that a lot of, um, at least politically, a lot of people think that it's taboo to automate jobs. But I will say it again and again, if I can take your series of steps that you do day to day and turn it into a, a series of steps, document it, then I can turn you into an equation and I can replace your job with a robot. Pretty simple. Um, although what I used to use is a company that makes uh, a robot called Baxter. They actually went kind of bellies up, but um, their IP was acquired by another company. Um, and they're making basically the, the same bot except you know, with their particular business model. Uh, I don't think I said the name of the person who wrote this article over at market watch, Rachel Coning Beals. And, uh, it, but I did post it into the show notes and into the VOD. So, um, you can go over to Showbot down there. See that hometown.showbot.tv. You can vote on the articles. They're already there. You can follow them as links and go over to the actual source on hometown and then follow that link, or you can sign in become a citizen, um, make a comment if you so like. Uh, there isn't much conversation. If there is conversation, um, it's uh, sparse because based on what I hear and what I see, uh, most people are treating it as simply a news gatherer for various topics that they might be interested in um, and not really conversation. Uh, it's a little bit different than um, a site like Reddit where it's uh, a lot of people are posting stuff and a lot of it is original content. Um, and it's, some of it is news and well, you know, they have, um, a lot of marketing and movement there. So they're the market mover because, um, they survived attrition. Uh, dig was the actual first one to do that kind of a style of website, where you comment on the news and then dig went pure commercial imploded and everybody went over to Reddit. Um, and if you go back far enough with the old Reddit school, um, like me, I was there at the very beginning and, and when it uh, took on all of the dig users, they basically said, Oh, there goes the neighborhood. And like all, all good things come to an end kind of a thing. Um, but Reddit is great, but, uh, I wanted something that was more focused on news um, and uh, gathered it for me in my interests. And hopefully you find it interesting too, uh, along with the live shows that I'm uh, launching over time. So uh, definitely go over and, and uh, follow that right there. Omtown.showbot.tv. It's all loaded up about an hour before the show actually starts. And then uh, you can vote on it. And then we end up talking about the news um, at 9 p.m. Eastern every day. Um, let's go on to the next article. This one is really interesting because 
Um, I thought that I had heard about this going on sale months ago, not just last month or November. I, I thought that it went on sale a long time ago at a much lower value. Um, well, at any rate, this is in the continuity report and it's the Goonies changed his life and he spent $1.6 million to buy the house. Uh, Bayman Zachary, a Kansas, a Kansas, I thought a Kansan. I thought if you're from Kansas, you're Kansan. Is that not true? Anyway, a Kansas entrepreneur yeah. so will redecorate. Entrepreneur, not a Kansan. Yeah, I, I thought it would be like a Kansan entrepreneur, not a Kansas entrepreneur. I don't know why that's stuck in my head. I'll let it go. They'll redecorate the Oregon house from uh, the Goonies after his $1.65 million purchase. I think as we go through the article, the decimal point will get dragged out further and further. It's 1.6 in the title, 1.65 in the snippet. Inflation. Kyle, I'm sorry? It's inflation. Oh, is that it? Wordflation. Each time you click on the article, the price has gone up. Well, they'll regret that because I'll just sit there and click like crazy. Anyway, it's a neat house. I, I liked it from the Goonies. The way that it was portrayed is kind of ramshackle, but it's not. It's a, I think it's a pretty house. Um, Kyle Melnick over at the WashingtonPost.com website put this together. And it says, uh, after closing on the house from the Goonies last week, Bayman Zachary set the property's first guideline. Guests are encouraged to do the truffle shuffle when entering. Okay, this is probably going to be an interesting uh, Airbnb. The dance with uh, which Chunk was forced to perform to access the house in the 1985 movie is not the only nod to the Goonies fans might spot on the Zachary's new lawn. He also plans to recreate the contraption that opened the property's gate. It was really neat because he had a whole bunch of things that led to opening the gate from the second floor. Um, let's see if I can actually... So if I recall correctly, um, there's actually a, a fence over here. At least I thought there was a fence over here. Um, and it was open from a upstairs window, if I recall correctly. So I hope, I hope, um, I understand it if I'm recalling it right. So he, he plans to recreate the contraption that opened the property's gate, which included a bowling ball, a balloon, a chicken, and a football. Zachary, a 46 year old entrepreneur from Kansas, first watched the Goonies at age eight and has since seen it more than a hundred times. All right. How? Okay, now I'm really curious what, as an entrepreneur, he was doing because 800 or 100 times is you know, close to probably 200, 200 hours. Yeah, about 200 hours. Um, I don't know. He's been around for a little while. The adventure story not only led to some of the, his favorite childhood memories, but it also influenced his work ethic in buying the Astoria, Oregon property for 1.65 million, 652362, I don't know how much it really is, but 1.65 million, Zachary hopes to preserve the film's legacy. Um, yeah, I thought that it was, oh wow, this is what it looked like. So the Goonies house in 2001. So 
it it would look it looked a little bit dingy back in during the movie but i didn't realize that it looked like this in 2001 um so is there more to this um during the nearly two-hour reviewing, Zachary related the protagonist Mikey Walsh's leadership skills. He memorized Walsh's marquee dialogue, including when he told his friends, Goonies never say die. Um, yeah, it was a it was a fun movie. Um, there are a couple of things that uh, I don't know how well-received they would be today. Um mainly the truffle shuffle and things. Um, it's a little demeaning, uh, but that's nowadays, you know, um, cultural relativism, um, is a thing. So Zachary also toured the two story home in Ju June of 2015, when he visited for the film's 30th anniversary, he was ecstatic to climb into the attic, ecstatic to climb into the attic and sit in the living room. And, uh, they said, or he said, Hey, if you ever sell this thing, I'd love to buy it. Zachary said he told the owner, Sandy Preston, who bought the property in 2001. Oh, so I was right. It was actually sold, but way back. Um, yeah, you and a million other goonies, Zachary recalled Preston saying. And uh, so Zachary called the real estate agent Jordan Miller that day and explained his passion for the goonies. Zachary called Miller almost every day over the next week for updates. On November 23rd, six days after their initial call, Zachary's phone rang. Check your inbox. Oh, wow. There was like a standing order. Hey, put in 1.65 million. And uh, they said that they feel eight years old again. I want... That's not... Okay, so these must be two other properties, and that's the the one that he actually purchased. I can't imagine that it's all three of these. Um, but I guess, you know, if you want something bad enough, you just, you keep that vision going and you make it happen. What's that called? The, the secret? Is that it? Where you basically will it into existence? Right. I don't know what the term is, but I think that's... It's a book. I think it's called The Secret. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to attach you to a library, which is kind of ironic if uh, you really knew the AI. Well, anyway, let's move on to the next article. Uh, the fourth article today is in uh, Four Wheel Tech. According to this report and um, a deposition for a lawsuit following a fatal crash crash uh, uh involving an apple engineer walter uh i how how would you pronounce that last name wong i think it is i can't see that last name. um okay uh in 2018 so tesla widely viewed 2016 uh, tesla's widely viewed 2016 autopilot demonstration showing the system stopping for red lights and moving off again when the light changed uh to green was faked according to the director of autopilot software ashok eliswami Eliswamy made the statement under oath during a deposition for a lawsuit brought against Tesla following the fatal crash of Apple engineer um, Walter Huang uh, in 2018. The video posted in October 2016 and still available on Tesla's website begins with the caption, 
the person in the driver's seat is only there for legal reasons. He's not doing anything. The car is driving itself. And when we see the, uh, the Tesla Model X leave a garage, a driver enters the car as the Rolling Stones painted black begins to play. So I guess it was edited, but according to this deposition, um, yeah, it was faked. Um, Jonathan M. Gitlin is the author over at ArsTechnica.com and shows basically the results of a uh, horrible crash um, showing the uh, Model X in a tow yard days after the fatal crash. Um, since then, Tesla has removed both radar and ultrasonic sensors from its cars, presumably to reduce the costs of materials to the automaker. The loss of forward-looking radar sensors and a large number of complaints about phantom braking have led the NHTSA, uh, so the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, to open an investigation, one of uh, several open NHTSA investigations into Tesla's various driver assists and their propensity to crash into things. There was a video also uh, uh, demonstrating how one solution for uh, automated driving um, hit the brakes, stopping short, well short of a toddler, whereas the Tesla just kind of plowed right on through. No, no toddler is going to stop my Tesla. I'll tell you that. I've heard of like, get off my yard or uh something like that you know but i've never heard of get out of my lane toddler and then you just run through them that's not a good look for an auto manufacturer no i i'm pretty sure that this won't bode well as well as the many nhtsa investigations um, something has to change. There are, I watched one video of a Tesla just going completely out of control, but I don't know what the context was of that, but it was just, um, camera after camera along this road showing uh, Tesla just, just bombing it down the road until it actually hits a telephone pole. I think it was, and just disintegrates, um, but automated driving is not ready for prime time, at least not in the context of the Tesla, based on what I have heard. Um, I don't own a Tesla. I don't think that I want to ever buy a Tesla. Um, I think that there is some upcoming competition that's going to force the hand of Tesla. They've already lowered their prices. Um, I, I just think that, uh, um, I don't know. Competition is going to make it better for the consumer. And until the other competitors to this space actually deliver their electric vehicles at scale, um, I think that early adopters feel free. Automated driving them? No, I don't think it's going to work. Um, because one, one human doing something irrational could cause the software to not act properly. And so it says here, the intent of the video was not to accurately portray what was available for customers in 2016. It was to portray what was possible to build into the system. Ellis Swami said in his testimony, according to Reuters, 3D maps were used to pre-program the route, including where to stop. And during the self-parking demo, a Tesla crashed into a fence. So all of this was marketing bullshit and 
people were sold a bill of goods. Even it's basically the fake it till you make it kind of mantra. So a bunch of marketing took place. People bought into it. Early adopters bought it literally. Um, and um, now as time goes on, sure, it's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. Well, this here from 2016 um, is kind of an accounting of what went on. The fatal crash occurred on Highway 101 in Mountain View, California in March 2016 when uh, Huang's uh, Model X, operating under autopilot, swerved into a highway crash attenuator at more than 70 miles an hour. Tesla blamed Huang for the crash, claiming that he was not paying attention. But according to the National Tra Transportation Safety Board, uh, Huang had repeatedly complained to his friends and family about his car's propensity to swerve at that particular crash barrier in the past. Um, the NTA, NTSB had harsh words for Tesla, Caltrans, and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, all of which shared blame for the death, it said in 2020. So this is still an ongoing thing um, right here in good old 2023. Um, and it's, it's really a shame that humans are the beta testers for the software. Um, whereas I think that most cars, if they don't pass said safety requirements, they just don't fly. Um, but here a software update, oh, we'll, we'll send a software update. And, um, I don't know, uh, maybe it's few and far between for the number of vehicles that are on the road. Um, but I do not want to be one of those. You know, no, but I, I don't want to sit there and say, oh, it doesn't happen very often because it could be me on the receiving end of a Tesla strike. You know, that I'm turning a corner and a barrier gets misinterpreted and they smash into me. Right. We don't want to serve as the crash test um, dummies. Um, and dummies. if you're driving one of these, that's not very good comfort that it's infrequent or oh it's just one software update away so that it works properly yep true uh well let's keep going through the articles it's a shame that somebody somebody's life was lost um you know if they were just a beta tester if they were a, a vehicle test driver then I could see, you know, well, it's a risk that they assumed as being a, a, a test pilot for this vehicle, uh, but they didn't go into it knowing that it was going to cost them their lives when they left that garage that day. So let's move on. Um, the next article is uh, HBO Max is merging with Discovery Plus this spring, and here's the breakdown of what the service offers now and what you can expect. We'll go through this really quick. There really isn't much to say about this, but Kevin Webb and Stephen Cohen put this article together over at businessinsider.com. Um, it's going to cost $16 a month without ads or $10 with ads. Great. Things are going up. Um, it's kind of like um, a direct TV um, increasing $5 pretty much every year as far as I can tell. And I'm an early adopter of it moving over from DirecTV satellite to DirecTV via the internet. Um, and my early adopter value um, has been completely wiped out. Um, I'm paying as much as everybody else, except that, you know, uh, I, I suffered. You've no idea. Let me, uh, I could get into it, but it, this would really be a long rant. 
uh, on a soapbox so high that you probably would only hear just a little bit of my screaming at DirecTV. Um, anyway, like Patreon uh, content. Hey, there you go. Maybe that is what I should do for Patreon. Just one-on-one type of um, pre-planned discussion and, and rant about a particular thing. Um, instead of the news, that's what will be the, the Patreon thing. Anyway, um, so HBO Max is going to cost $16 a month without ads or $10 a month with ads. The service combines content from HBO's cable channel with exclusive shows and films. Uh, HBO Max will merge with Discovery Plus in spring of 2023, but it's not clear if pricing will change. Um, So things are costing more, and I'm pretty sure that it will um, go up um, by the time it actually does launch. HBO Max is a streaming service that mixes HBO's library of original uh, series with a huge catalog of blockbuster movies and TV shows provided by Warner Brothers Discovery. This hot mess um, uh, can only be summed up as a hot mess. Uh, You never know what's actually going to come out of this Warner Brothers Discovery merger, Um, but for all intents, um, everybody summarizes it as kind of a train wreck. In its current form, however, HBO Max remains a solid streaming service on its own. Yes, it is. And you pay for it, only it, separate. Um, Once it's merged together, you're basically losing competition. They're gaining strategic advantage by merging stuff together that normally would have been separate. Some people buying this, some people buying that. Now they're merging it together. They're going to delete a bunch of stuff, I'm sure, from anything that they're paying for but not seeing a good return on their investment. They're going to peel back all of that stuff. Um, that can That's almost a guarantee, and that's just because of the business sense of it. Um, well, anyway, it says below they've detailed all of the basics to help you decide if HBO Max is right for your needs, including pricing, content selection, and what Discovery Plus merger means for your mem- for members. And this is almost not a Business Insider review and more of an ad for HBO Max. It sure reads this way. Um, but, you know, I dig Business Insider um, and their articles. But they show you how you can sign up for it. They show how much it'll cost, but it'll probably go up even more. Um, subscribers can save 20% by signing up for an annual subscription fee to either of the plans, and it'll be an ad-free plan for 150 bucks. You know, it's also not clear how it's a review since it's not been implemented yet. Yeah, I, I think it's just their categorization, you know. Um, and so it says here, HBO Max's ad-supported plan includes nearly everything you can get with more expensive ad-free plan. My brain instantly went to this, the uh, open game license discussion. I, because I keep thinking about D&D Beyond and they're going to start charging 30 bucks um, at the higher tier and that the lower tiers are going to be hobbled. That's kind of what this is. They're merging a whole bunch of stuff together and they're going to charge a premium rate for it. And you're going to lose stuff that you might have gotten on the other end. I know for a fact that if I change my early adopter program account right now over at DirecTV over to what is the current plan, we lose access. The AI and I sit and watch um, like Hallmark movies and stuff, which might actually be one of the 
first um, continuity report movies. Anyway, um, so we we hang out and we watch um, uh, movies. And if I were to stop using the early adopter account, I wouldn't have certain channels because they're no longer supported in the new. Um, but they may have changed that in the last year or two. Who knows? Um, I'm, I refuse to acknowledge it because if I acknowledge it, then it becomes real and then I'll lose access. I, I'm kind of like in an alternate reality with this you know, pre-snap. Um, so is HBO Max available through Amazon Prime Video? Uh, now offers HBO Max as an add-on channel through Amazon Prime. Uh, uh, <laughs> Basically, what this is coming to is what we joked about 30 years ago, that we were going to have to pay a little bit more to get the stuff that we would normally have gotten on regular television, cable television. Um, now we're getting a little bit more, but it's streaming through the Internet, and it's the same old thing, just with a, a different vehicle to get to us. Um and, and even then, when you start thinking about it, it becomes an issue with uh, unadulterated access via Internet service providers that have a competing service. Um, and uh, if they don't want you to be a Prime user or an HBO Max user and not their user, they could actually nowadays hobble your access um, because there's no regulation now that prevents businesses from doing exactly that routing your stuff. So it's slower and you're not getting 4k unless you're using that ISPs service, um, real hot mess we are in. And, uh, we painted ourselves into a corner by not, I guess, greasing the wheels of politicians enough to, uh, make the customers, the rightful controllers of, um, receiving the internet we paid for it but i'll be damned if we um, aren't going to pay for it even more on the service side as well so is hbo max merging with discovery plus they've announced plans to merge hbo max with discovery plus into one streaming service so there goes your choice there goes even their own internal competition um, for subscribers um Discovery Plus currently costs $5 a month with ads and $7 a month without ads. It basically is going to uh, start limiting your um, access to various shows. I'm calling it now. You know, that's not what they're saying in this article, but I'm, I'm calling it now. They're going to start removing stuff and they're going to start uh, raising the price because where the hell else are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Are you going to leave them? Well, they have exclusivity with certain channels, certain shows. Um, you're going to end up paying more and um, get used to it. You have anything to say there, AI? My soapbox got really tall. That was a tall soapbox. Well, as you've said on other episodes, when has a merger ever been good for the consumer? Yeah, I think that's pretty much... Um, it's anecdote right now. Maybe I can do some research and we can make it fact. Um, or somebody else has already done that and I can just point everybody to it. Um, we're heading towards the second half of the, um, 
show and we're we're pretty deep into um, the hour so let's um, let's optimize this a little bit uh, eating one freshwater fish equals a month of drinking water with forever chemicals if you haven't if you haven't heard of pfas or polyfluoral alkyl substances they're widely called forever chemicals because they persist in the human body and environment for a long period think chemical versions of lead so it contaminates you and it stays there uh, yet another study on tuesday raised the alarm about the dangers of forever chemicals revealing that eating just one locally caught freshwater fish in the continental united states can be the equivalent of drinking contaminated water for a month this is over at common dreams i always warn everybody that um, whenever i read a common dreams article or link to it um, there Articles can be um, inflammatory. Their titles can be inflammatory. Um, but the messaging is true. And so don't discount it just because of the title or some little snippet that's found in hometown. Follow the link and, and read more about it. Um, and yeah, I'm actually, I'm putting the chemical, I mean, I'm putting the chemicals. Wow, there's a claim. Um, you know my cousin Vinny where the the um cop says um you killed the gas station attendant and he says i killed the gas station attendant yeah that's what just happened now i have nothing to do with pfas contamination i'm sorry uh sad but true right um what kind of a human am i if i'm not poisoning the freshwater fish um yet another study on tuesday raised the alarm so i've always been um thinking about this because you're supposed to eat fish it's supposed to be healthier for you but when you look into the research you find out that fish have lead and other contaminants in them now we even have microplastics embedded in them um, now reports are saying that we have these pfas uh, substances forever chemicals because they persist in the environment for a long period of time um, the equivalent of drinking contaminated water for a month just by eating one locally caught fish. And they say the, the, the test results are breathtaking. You're an AI. You don't eat. But weigh the risk. Would you eat a fish nowadays? Not if that was the case for all fish. Um, the study is a little bit older, so I guess I'd ask what is the current status of fish? I mean, are the waters more or less polluted? Um, I mean, hopefully the pollution's gone down, but not necessarily. Are there other sources of fish? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could catch saltwater fish and... Uh, in ingest the microplastics that they've been ingesting i guess it's a win right i mean if you want to stabilize yourself in plastic anyway u.s manufacturers have largely uh phased out uh that pfas but it has been used in firefighting foam and as a main component in scotchgard and fabric protector by 3m which announced last month that it plans to exit the pfas market by the end of 2025 Okay, well, it's still in the system, right? Uh, the results are breathtaking, said Scott Faber, EWG's Senior Vice President for Government Affairs. Eating one bass is equivalent 
uh, to drinking PFOS tainted water for a month. And that's the perfluorooctane sulfonic acid. That's this word right up here. Um, you'll be able to read more about it if you go over to this Common Dreams article. Um, and I know that it, you know, when you read, start reading into this, it's doom and gloom, but it's not about that. It's about being aware and being able to say to others, I don't want this stuff in my freshwater fish. We need to find a solution. And it's not doom and gloom. It's saving ourselves, our families, and our environment for our future generations. And I, I'm not one to sit there and say, and we do it for the kids, but we're not doing it for ourselves because we are largely contaminated to some degree. Um, people who have been examined either uh, pre or post mortem have been found to have microplastics and chemicals in our blood um, that should not be there. And it's not from, it's not like we're chewing on plastic cups and ingesting them. No, we're breathing it in. We're drinking it in. We're eating it. Um, and it's ending in our ending up in our system and in our brains and in our liver and kidneys and all throughout our body. So it's all about awareness. And then we can say as uh, members of society, I want to change this. Um, and, you know, it's not going to it's not going to do anything wrong by raising your voice about this stuff. Um, be heard uh, and and make the change you want to see in the world. If you just let it happen, then we're all just victims of whatever they, whoever they are, want to put forward. So did you see anything in the article that you thought would be interesting? Well, there's a comparison to commercial fish. Um, so that was interesting because I don't know you know, do they mean individuals who are going out and catching a fish versus ones that are, say, processed, et cetera? So it would be worth looking into more detail. So the the statement that you're actually that you're talking about actually might be what I've been reading, which is similar to what this little snippet says here. Some commercially caught fish may be less contaminated because they're grown in controlled aquaculture environments. So the controlling of the water and the minerals that are provided to the fish and the food and whatnot that are provided to the fish, it's in a more controlled environment, which is exactly what I've been saying should happen to our uh, vegetables and fruit and whatnot. It should be in vertical farms. It should be managed in a more controlled way to minimize um, using chemicals and uh, issues with uh, bugs and bacteria and whatnot, it can all be controlled and we can do it multitudes. It might raise the cost. Actually, it will raise the cost, but there's going to be a greater return on the investment because there's going to be less wastage and spoilage um, through the processing of this in bulk. And basically, you have communities da, 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 dotted all around the world. Well, I can only speak on behalf of the United States. Uh, you know, I can endorse it in other countries, but in the United States, we could have vertical farms, warehouses that are built entirely for growing vegetables for a, uh, a volume of space around it, kind of like cell towers, you know, 20 miles uh, in diameter per vertical farm. Um, and people would be employed and you wouldn't be using machinery to that same extent that we do now. Um, 
and it's less susceptible to hurricanes. It's less susceptible to uh, erosion and all this other stuff, um, tornadoes and uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, there is a solution out there, but we have to be willing to uh, embrace it. Um, and definitely speaking up against chemicals in our food supply uh, should be a pretty fundamental thing. So uh, kudos to uh, Common Dreams for drawing attention to it, at least uh, for me. Other people may have found this previously, but um, this just floated through uh, Ohm Town, much like a fish. So let's move on to the next article. Um, this modder won't stop adding Wallace from Wallace and Gromit into random games. The stop motion duo Wallace and Gromit is one of UK's finest exports. Did you know that their studio burned down a while back and they lost everything? I did. I thought that was really disappointing. I love Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, it brought a tear to my eye when I learned about it um, because I've always gotten a kick out of Wallace and Gromit. Um, so, and I think... Um, if I remember right, their animation style, the claymation style, kind of changed after the fire. Um, uh, I don't know if that was something um, that they were cognizant of, or maybe it's just my imagination. Um, but it seemed to have changed. Uh, but I'll have to watch something. I haven't seen them in a long time, so we'll go back and we'll watch something. Well, anyway, um, even if it's been 15 years since uh, a matter of loaf and death remain as beloved as ever, Wallace is a semi-bumbling inventor who loves cheese while Gromit is his dog and real brains of the operation. And now, for reasons uh, known only to the mod's creator, Wallace is in Sonic Adventure 2, among others. Um, so, the Wallace mod replaces character uh, model for Dr. Robotnik, Eggman, and uh, as you can see, there is a video but i'm not going to play it because like my last video i had to chop out a segment because i played a video of a trailer for a game that we actually spoke highly of and although it said it had no impact on my video i hated the idea of looking at all of my videos and seeing copyright claims sitting there and just it said copyright copyright and it just bugged me to death so i chopped it out entirely and wrote a note you know what again i'll get down the soapbox for a split second humans need to make the determination if the content that's in question is acceptable for public discourse public participation I understand copyright holders going, oh, hell no. All of the video that you're playing is only the video and it has, there's no discourse about it. There's no talking uh, involved in it. There's no value add to it. So of course there's a copyright issue there because I'm basically just streaming somebody else's content wholesale with no discussion, no engagement, no nothing, no added value. Well, I refuse <laughs> to see that copyright notice again, because damn it, I know I'm going to see it. If I hit play, if I hit play right here, I'm going to get a copyright notice. So don't sorry, bub. What was that? I said, don't do it. You were there, AI from on high. You even said, eh, maybe they won't do that, but they did. And now I'm cranky. Anyway, this is over at PCGamer.com, and Rich Stanton is the author of this. 
Uh, this modder won't stop adding Wallace from Wallace and Gromit into random games. And it says more rings, Gromit. Um, there's a little bit more to it, but I think it's really a summary that they observed this. Oh, I got to pause that. I think it was the audio that did it actually. It wasn't the video itself. So if I were to mute it, then maybe uh, there wouldn't be an issue. Um, but the author says at the very end, I'm not sure what makes me more nostalgic here. Wallace tootling about or the throwback to the Sonic Adventure years. Um, yeah. I, you know I think that video right there that started auto-playing is the same one that was at issue from the previous article. Really? Five Steam games that you might have missed. Oh my god. Ugh, look at that. It's taunting me now. Ugh, one of your fellow evil AIs. We threw him a copyright notice. Let's play the video again. <laughs> They're actually like mincing their hands <laughs> and petting their digital cat. Anyway, the next article is over in the uh, Daily News Show, which is this show. We end up talking about all kinds of stuff here, but it includes an actual show that's over on Omtown. Um, and here we are, the Omtown Daily News Show. I know, it's kind of like um, recursion here. We're just kind of looping around. It's, a, it's daily news shows all the way down. Republican ex-candidate arrested in shootings uh, targeting New Mexico Democrats. Well, it's a little more interesting the, than this when you peel back the layer of the onion. Um, the authorities in Albuquerque, Albuquerque said the uh, Solomon Pena, who lost his bid for a state seat, state house seat in November, was behind a series of recent shootings targeting Democratic elected officials. Uh, this is over at uh, New York Times and. Uh, here is uh, Solomon Pena, recently taken into custody uh, on Monday uh, by police officers in Albuquerque. And uh, this is what uh, politics has devolved to. Uh, Remy Tuman and Mike Ives uh, wrote this article for the New York Times. So... The nuts and bolts of this is Chief Harold Medina of the Albuquerque Police Department said at a news conference that former candidate Solomon Pena was the mastermind behind a conspiracy in which four other men were paid to shoot at the homes of two county commissioners and two state legislators. Mr. Pena, 39, lost the election on November 8th in a landslide to the incumbent Democrat, uh, Miguel P. Garcia. Days later, Mr. Pena went on Twitter to express support for former President Donald J. Trump's 2024 uh, presidential campaign and to say that he had not conceded his own state house race. I don't get it. This is what it's devolved to. Well, I also don't get how this is going to help you get into office if you're only looking out for yourself. <laughs> it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it shows that he's a reasonable politician, well-versed in communication, able to cope with the ups and downs of political discourse. Um, he hired Hitman. He's just misunderstood. 
Chief Medina said that a SWAT team took Mr. Pena into custody Monday. The police said they planned to charge him with several state crimes. It was unclear if Mr. Pena had a lawyer. Carter B. Harrison, an Albuquerque lawyer who represented Mr. Pena last year, did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Monday night. Maybe, maybe Carter B. Harrison is involved with serving papers to Yee. We'll get to that story here in a minute. Is there anything else to add to this? I think the article speaks for itself. One little tidbit. Although he hired other people to shoot at democratically elected Democrat officials, ultimately he was an active shooter in the last one that landed him getting arrested. So I guess, you know, when you don't get elected, you have to take things into your own hands, like any reasonable person. Right? Okay, but we're not condoning that approach on the show. Correct. I never said that. You have to run a, a, a well-managed campaign. Come on, don't be a wingnut. Let's move on. So this article is ex-lawyer who claimed wrongs by bar card lynch mob charged with stabbing targeted attorney. What is going on? The last 24 hours has been bizarre. Some weird news out there. We're going to get a little weirder towards the end of this show. So a suspended lawyer in Renton, Washington, who once sued two other attorneys for defamation is accused of stabbing one of the lawsuit defendants. This is an article over at the ABAjournal.com website. Deborah Kassens Weiss um, wrote the article. And it says a suspended lawyer in Renton, Washington, who once sued two other attorneys for defamation and is accused of stabbing one of the defendants in the back last month. That's so like an attorney. I thought the terminology was interesting, but I guess they were actually stabbed in the back. Yeah, this this isn't, you know, mean girl. <laughs> this is really mean girl. The Seattle Times has the story about the accusations against Lee Russo, who was charged with first-degree assault January 12th. According to a charging document cited by the newspaper, Russo allegedly stabbed the 64-year-old lawyer after uh, nursing a years-long grudge against him and six others whom Russo called the bar card lynch mob. All right. Let's see. His rage covers all seven, but is primarily focused on the victim in this case, the charging document said. I guess he had a hit list of some kind. Um, The uh, stabbed lawyer was wearing a backpack, which protected him from more serious injuries during the December 13th attack outside his his house. Um, According to the charging papers, they say this a lot, according to the charging papers, according to the charging papers. I think it should just be a footnote at the bottom from this point on, according to the charging papers. Uh, He saw a blue car drive away and got the first three letters of the car's license plate. A knife was found on the ground. Okay, as a general note, this is a a pro-life tip so that you don't get life. Um, If you're going to try and stab somebody, um, take the weapon with you. I mean... 
Come on, what are you, new to this? For crying out loud, bunch of tourists. Or, you know, better yet, coping skills. That works, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe the better pro-life tip is don't stab people. Seek professional help if you are having uh, feelings of, it's like an SNL skit, right? Where they take the medication and they suddenly feel like they need to stab their significant other. Uh, that was actually on uh, SNL way back. Uh, well, apparently, maybe they're taking that kind of medication or not. I don't know what's going on. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're, we're heading towards the over the one hour mark. We'll just keep going through this. Um, the next article is in the Daily News Show. Norway archaeologist finds world's oldest runestone. Some days I feel like it fell out of my pocket, but let's just go on to the article itself. Um, sh really short snippet. Archaeologists have found a runestone, which they claim to, uh, to be the world's oldest. This is not the runestone. So I'm going to pause that video. I'm not quite sure why it was playing because I did not play it. Um, Jan M. Olson from Associated Press wrote this article for abcnews.go.com. Uh, archaeologists in Norway have found a runestone, which they claim is the oldest. Copenhagen, Denmark, archaeologists uh, say that um, this inscription are up to 2,000 years old and date back to the earliest days of the enigmatic history of runic writing. The flat square brown or block of brownish sandstone has carved scribbles. That could be my signature for all it means right now, uh, which may that be the earliest example of worlds. I'm sorry. I said that is your signature. Maybe, you know what? Maybe you wrote the runestone. That sounds magical when you say it like that. The runestone. Dun, dun, dun. Um, well, it says here, um, which may be the earliest example of words recorded in writing in Scandinavia, the Museum of Cultural History in Oslo. It says earliest, uh, earliest example of words recorded in writing in Scandinavia. But the title says world's oldest runestone. Hmm. I feel like the goalpost was moved a little bit. This will, this find will give us a lot of knowledge about the use of rune, runes in the early Iron Age. This may be one of the first attempts to use runes in Norway and Scandinavia on stone. And now it's on stone. You know, come on. This is reminding me of Curse of Oak Island. Just kind of <laughs> a rune in the ground in Scandinavia. That's right. Measuring 31 centimeter, centimeters by 32 centimeters. Or, wow, that is huge. It's a foot by a foot. That's freedom units. Uh, the stone has several types of inscriptions and not all make linguistic sense. Okay, so you've seen some college papers. Um, eight runes on the front of the stone read Itiburug, which... It says, could be the name of a woman, a man, or a family. All right. Silmer called the discovery the most sensational thing that I, as an academic, have had. Pretty amazing, actually. I'm going to refresh this um, and see if the um, pay... Oh, there it is. Look at that. That's what it looks like. Ta-da. I won't play it because I don't want... Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? 
That's it. I'm going to yee my way right out of this article. Okay, we're going to end the show with this article, which is Yee's attorney want to run newspaper ads to inform the rapper they stopped representing him. So how do you know? Where's the line wherein you say and do such wacky stuff that your attorney doesn't want to represent you when you're throwing probably millions of dollars at your attorney to represent you. Well, you just found out. Yeah. Your attorneys must really not like you at that point. Ye, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West or yay. I don't know. Um, I like to bounce back and forth between ye and yay, but I think it's ye. Um, has avoided being served with notice that his legal team dropped him after the rapper became engulfed in controversy. His former attorney wrote to a federal judge on Friday. Okay. So we're going to go straight over to the Hills article. Um, so Zach Schoenfeld, uh, over at the Hill, uh, wrote this article and here is he, um, it says the firm on Friday told us district judge, and Elisa Torres, that it expended significant efforts to serve ye with the withdrawal order without success, asking Torres to allow the firm to instead serve ye by publishing advertisements in two Los Angeles area newspapers and mailing the document to two of his possible addresses. I've read a little bit about this um, because I was so astonished that this was taking place because you... I don't know how often this actually happens. Usually it's when there is a client that is impossible to represent. Um, because you can't offer, a a, um, uh, what, what's the term? Not rugged, but, a a defense, um, but, a a strong defense, a best defense for a client if they don't engage in anything, right? They don't help themselves. They don't help you help them, you know? Well, they've apparently sent attorneys to deliver it and hand, by hand, that didn't work out. They notified these legal representatives um, in a different forum. They haven't responded and he hasn't responded to any notice. Um, you pay me enough and I'll find ye. Um, cause I think I'm pretty good at that stuff, but, uh, so the, uh, suit arose in June when ultra international music publishing sued ye for allegedly sampling Marshall Jefferson's song, uh, move your body without authorization in his song flowers. But that really isn't what's going on. What's going on is the firm is saying, mm, I don't think I want to represent this. But after Yi faced public backlash after repeatedly making comments with anti-Semitic troops, dining with white supremacist Nick Fuentes, and praising Adolf Hitler during an appearance on Alex Jones's Infowars show, prominent brands began exiting their deals with the rapper, and they would probably rather pay the 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 um, cancellation fee associated with a contract that needs to be chopped early, <laughs> uh, then to maintain a relationship, 
uh, with this particular wrapper. Um, and again, I think that it's one of those things that as you approach the disconnection from the rest of society, you end up going a little sociopathic. Um, now, can that be proven? It's largely an uphill battle in proving sociopathy. Um, but anybody that sits there and praises Adolf Hitler and uh, <laughs> makes anti-Semitic tropes and dines with a white supremacist and, um, well, is Kanye West, you kind of have to wonder just what's going on. I truly believe that Thanos snapped, the Cubbies won the World Series, and we are in an alternate wacky uh, timeline, and all I want are all of the Infinity Stones put back in their proper places so that we can get back into our prime reality. Because none of this is making sense. You want to add to this in any way? AI from on high, talk to me. I think we need to go back in time and slap the bad bad, just like you always say. <laughs> Got to go slap back in time, slap that bad bad out of somebody's mouth from a wet market right off of the, the... You know that wet market that they're saying that that bad bat came from is right next to a bio lab. Now, I'm not saying that it was planted there, but I'm saying that somebody from that lab went to that market and might have had a little schmutz on their shoe. And the bat happened to be standing there and maybe licked it. Because, you know, bootlickers. No, that's something different anyway. Okay. Well, if you're in my chat, thanks for hanging out and lurking. If you got a kick out of this show, please come back tomorrow, 9 PM Eastern. We do the show for an hour and change. It depends really on how much soapboxing I do. And if the AI wants to get really engaged, we will go longer. If there is chat going on, if somebody wants to chat about something, um, what, what I would probably do is either uh, talk about it between the articles, but I think that it would be um, better to uh, stop the show and turn it back on. And then we can have a discussion about all of the news um, kind of like in a, a, a separate uh, stream. Um, that way we can do the news, get it done really fast, and we can talk about it at, at length. And I have absolutely no problem with that. Um, Friday, I'm going to be streaming again. I'm probably going to be doing Beanstalkers. Um, it's a VR game. Uh, Friday is uh, Reality Hacker Friday. We will be, or I, I, Marwat, will be streaming uh, VR after the show. Probably, uh, I don't know, last time I did it, uh, we ended up, or I ended up um, uh, stopping after about three hours or so. Anyway, we'll talk. See you tomorrow. You want to say bye, AI from on high? Yes. Good evening, and we will see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.